Good morning. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Whether you're worshiping with us in the building or worshiping online, let's get ready to worship the Lord today. Would you stand with us if you're here in the room? Let's sing about the goodness of the Lord. I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. I believe in signs and wonders. I have resurrection power. Still the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. Yeah, my praise. Belong to you forever. This is my testimony from death to life. The great rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give the Lord another big hand clap, brothers and sisters. He's worthy. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're here to tell you how much we love you and how much we appreciate you, our God. You know, I listen to that song and I think about our testimonies. And usually when we think of a testimony, we think of something to give and tell people a real intricate, real heavy and theological But my brothers and sisters, whatever God puts on your heart about Jesus, just tell it to the world. That's what they need to hear. That's your testimony. And let me tell you the very fact that we're here today, lifting up holy hands, hands that Jesus made holy through his his perfect blood, his pure sacrificial blood. The fact that we're praising him, thanking him for closing doors that only he could close, that needed to be closed in our life. Did you ever have a door that needs to be closed? Amen. Hallelujah. I know I have. Thank you, Jesus. And for opening the doors that he has opened for his loving kindness, his tender mercy towards us. 
you know, he loves us when we don't even like ourselves. That's the God we serve. And there's a beautiful verse in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, that tells us how much our praise means to God, how it is a wonderful testimony unto him. Let me read the first six verses of chapter 13. It says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison you are with them, and those who are ill-treated, since you also are in the body, let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never fail you, nor forsake you. Hence we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. And let me read this last couple of verses here, verse 13. Therefore let us go forth to bring outside the camp, bearing abuse for him. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city which is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips, our praise that acknowledges his name. Amen. One more time, a hand slap for the Lord. Praise God. That's our testimony. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's go before the Lord in prayer, brothers and sisters. Dear Heavenly Father, Abba Father, our wonderful, awesome God, you, Lord, who flung the stars into the universe, we're told billions, if not trillions of galaxies you have created, yet they're in perfect order, never colliding, unless you say so. Just that symmetry of perfect that you have established shows who you are and that you are God. Lord, it is unto you that we honor today. We thank you for the breath that is in our body. The word of God says our very next breath in all of our ways comes from you, O Lord. Daniel said that. And we're told that it's in you that we live and you that we move. Paul said it's in you that we have our very being. Acts 17, 28, if anybody's interested. Lord, we just love you so much. We love you and thank you for getting us here to church this morning. For those who are watching this across the internet, God bless you. And thank you for taking the time to do so. I have a sister in upstate New Jersey right now who's watching us. She became a great-grandmother yesterday. And I must say, it was on the day that our anniversary of our daughter going to heaven last year. And we just gave God glory and thanked him for that beautiful life symmetry that we saw there. One left, one came. God is so good. God is so perfect in his ways. We have to remember his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways above ours. We must trust him. Lord, bless each and every person that is here today. Bless those who are at home. A special blessing and prayer for our elderly and our youth. Lord, we all need your help. We need your covering. We need your healing. We ask that you uh, will just bless us, dear God. 
as only you can. Forgive us of our sins too, Lord. You said you are faithful and just to cleanse us and to forgive us if we confess it. Lord, we give you all the honor. We give you all the glory. No one else. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And church, would you join me in saying amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. everyone my name is Lynn welcome to CTC and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us we have a lot going on at our campuses so we wanted to take a few minutes and let you know about some of those a few weeks ago we told you about a brand new 15 passenger bus that God has blessed us with we are preparing to use this for all kind of ministry at CTC this includes transportation to and from weekend services events appointments and other activities To make this work, we need drivers. We are looking for people who would be on call as well as those willing to be scheduled for events. You do not need a CDL to operate the bus, and we will provide all training. If you are interested in this ministry, send an email to lpointexter at ctcde.church. We are preparing to launch a new support group next month. Divorce Care is a safe place where caring people will come alongside you as you find healing from the pain of separation or divorce. At this 13-week video-based support group program, you'll find helpful counsel to manage the emotional turmoil and practical tools for decision-making. This group will be facilitated by Dorothy Dan and will meet Tuesday nights from 7 to 8.30 p.m. from February 22nd through May 10th. To learn more or to sign up, go to ctcde.church slash lifegroups. In an effort to help families with young children be able to attend small group meetings and other small functions, we need part-time on-call child care providers. This would not be during our regular weekend service times. This is a part-time paid position. You can learn more by going to ctcde.church slash employment. Thanks for being here today. Our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God. Please let us know if there is anything you need while you are here. You can find more information about all the events happening at our church by going to ctcde.church. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. Have a great week. all of you today even though it's super super cold (laughs) and nice to see all of you online you're inside so you didn't have to travel (laughs) so again nice seeing you all today and welcome to our service um why does it feel like i'm forgetting something i'm not forgetting anything oh yeah if you are new here again welcome and before you leave and once you exit the sanctuary you will see the welcome center is how you would imagine a welcome center if you were traveling um you will receive a free gift if you're greeted by some from our pastoral staff and also there's a bunch of brochures basically about the church and our ministries here and for anyone online you can simply click the new here button at the top or click what just most likely came up in the chat and now for connect cards so for everyone out here in the crowd the connect cards are either at your table or at your seat so we would love for you to fill those out so we know that you were here today and also you can write a prayer request because we are always praying for you and the same goes for all of you online you can either click the connect card button at the top or the bubble that just popped up in the chat thank you rebecca
And I just want to emphasize how important it is to fill out the Connect card every time you're with us, and uh, whether you're a regular attender or whether you're first time here, because we just we do want to stay connected. That's a part, especially during this season, during this pandemic of COVID, and, and we're not able to get together. It's even more important for us to be praying for each other and supporting each other in that way. So fill it out uh, here. Give us your prayer requests. We keep those confidential. And if you're online, please uh, fill out the online Connect card um, and uh, let us know how we can care for you. Uh, it's part of how we, uh, we grow in our faith together and with one another. And we also want to serve God together in whatever way we can. So we certainly encourage you to to discover your spiritual gifts, to take all the talents that God has given to you, and to use them in however, whatever way you can. And uh, and one of the difficult things during this season has been, because we can't get together so often, how how are we serving God together? And it's really up to us as individuals, whether it's at work or wherever we are, to use our gifts and talents and ask God, what do you want me to do with this today? We want to be generous with all the things that God has given to us. And we have some principles of generosity that we, that we teach each other, that we uh, help each other and encourage each other with. So I ask you, uh, let's read this together, this principle number five, being generous. Let's read that. We give to and through the local church in support of various needs. And we see the, Jesus taught his people to do that. And here's a scripture verse. Actually, Jesus didn't say this one. God said it in, in, uh, in Deuteronomy and teaching it. But Jesus obviously fulfilled the law, and so Jesus does this. Let's read this verse together. There will always be some in the land who are poor. That is why I am commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. And I'm, I'm always proud of the way that, that you know you give generously to us as a congregation so that we as a whole, can, can be uh, generous with others. And during this cold seasons, there are always people who are needing a little bit of help with their fuel bills or with their rent, uh, and you know the situation that we're in. So your generosity very much helps us to be able to be generous. And I know that you're generous with other people around you as well, and I thank you for that. Let's continue to worship God. I invite you to stand to, as, if you're here with us, and, and uh, uh, let's continue to sing if you're online. But let me offer this prayer as we, as we continue to worship. Father, we do indeed thank you for the many blessings and the way that you provide for all of us. Thank you for the skills, the abilities, the desires, the passions, the interests that you have created each one of our personalities to gravitate toward. And uh, Lord, we use those things in service to you. And that is indeed our spiritual worship. So now, God, as we use our voices and we sing to you and we... We, we proclaim, we, we speak our, uh, our prayer requests to you. We're giving ourselves to you. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to freely gather in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus is the greatest part of our lives. Amen. He fights our battles for us. He wins on our behalf. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And he never will. We thank you for that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I've tried so hard to see it. It took me so long to believe it. That you choose someone like me to carry your victory. 
perfection could never earn it. You give what we don't deserve, and you take the broken things and raise them to glory.
seated in heavenly places with him who has conquered it all. He is taking us to a place. He's taking us, taken us to a place where we can rise above our circumstances. Pastor Vaughn, I believe it was last week or the week before, quoted Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30 and 31, where it says, Those who wait on the Lord renew their strength, mount up on wings like eagles. One of the unique things about eagles is that eagles, in order for them to fight you, they will take you to their territory. And they can fly so high that where other animals can't breathe. So if they're fighting a snake or if they're fighting something like that, they'll take it way up high in the altitude to have the advantage. That's what God tells us, that we can mount up on wings like eagles and take our enemy to a place where he can't fight against us because he's on our territory. Power of the Holy Spirit accomplishes that. Amen. So, Lord, we pray that you would help us to see and be aware of that power that you've given, that authority that you've given us. And we take authority over the enemy and over the things that would seek to come against us to bring us down. So, Lord, in order for us to experience that, we need a wave of your Holy Spirit. We need, a, we need you to fall fresh in this place, Lord, as we worship you. And as we give praise and honor to your name. And Lord, we want to sense your Holy Spirit when we meet together, when we're not here. A fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Debbie's going to lead us.
gathered together in your name or whether we're in the building or online campus or watching this video later on. Lord, we need to sense your presence. Your presence and your anointing is what breaks yokes and sets people free. So Lord, we're asking you to set us free today from chains that bind us, from from memories that bind us, from things that are in our past that we need to walk away from. God, we pray that you would deliver us so that we can walk in what you want us to be today. The people that you want us to be, right? People that love you and that love other people. So, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you together today in this house. I'm going to invite April to join me on the platform as we continue to pray. In just a moment after the bumper plays, if you have uh, children that are uh, going to kids' ministry, they can Go with Miss April. And uh, so we just want to pray over uh, this ministry and over our pastor. Father, we thank you for uh, children's ministry, and we thank you for April and her team. And we pray, Lord, that as they minister to our kids today, uh, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be in control. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be the teacher and the healer and the sustainer and the deliverer. We pray for our pastor as he comes to bring the message today. We pray that uh, you would open uh, the word through him and open our hearts to receive from you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated.
Good morning again as we continue our series uh, called Seven, looking at the seven, the seven letters to churches in uh, the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is meant to lift us up and encourage us. And I know a lot of people may be afraid to look at the book of Revelation because of the, mm, the, the unusual vision that, that it is and the, the circumstances around it. And uh, there are lots of books that are written about it. But in general, we don't need to be afraid of it because God has, in, has revealed Himself to us in order to instruct us and to encourage us and to lift us up, especially through difficult times. And uh, that's what this book is about. And at the beginning of the book, it's Jesus speaking, sending, sending messages to, uh, to the churches in, in uh, the particular area. So the book was written at a time when the people who believed in Jesus, they believed Jesus died, they believed Jesus resurrected, they believed Jesus lives. Um, these people were facing extreme persecution. And it was extremely difficult. And it was uh, to, 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 to proclaim your faith in Christ meant that you could very likely be killed. So the author John, he, he was exiled to an island called Patmos. And there, while he was hiding there, or protecting himself, uh, God gave him this vision. And uh, so it's a powerful vision from God, as John tried to make sense of the circumstances in which he and many other believers were living. Now that's something that we do every day, right? We try to make sense of the experiences that we go through in life. So this is a very relevant book. To, to us today and teaches us, okay, whatever experiences you're going through, let's look to see how these brothers and sisters in Christ have gone through those same experiences or similar experiences. In the early chapters, we look at the messages that Jesus sends us uh, to these seven churches. And we look at each of these messages in this series. And from them, we, uh, we learn how to live faithfully through the trauma, through the suffering and even through the persecution that of those who trust in Jesus. And I know that in our culture in America today, in the United States, we're protected. And we have enjoyed that freedom uh, my entire lifetime and probably yours too. But there are times when we experience some persecution. Um, but probably the worst persecution I ever experienced as a, as a Christian was being in high school when, when one of my uh, classmates looked at me and says, said, you're a Jesus freak, aren't you? <laughs> and he was making fun of me. He called me and, and I thought, well, even in, 19, in the 1980s, the term Jesus freak was, was kind of outdated. And I thought, well, you could up, update your language a little bit and give me a better insult than that. But uh, I was kind of complimented by it that he even noticed that I followed Jesus. We all experience suffering, affliction. And, and that's part of being human. It's part of life. It comes to us. And we all experience some kind of poverty. Now, some of us may not experience devastation, poverty, destitute, as what's described in, in this book. But we all, have, we all experience losses in our life. Now, there's a, I came across a bluegrass group. Two brothers called themselves the Moron Brothers. And uh, they're, apparently they were somewhat famous in their shows for making fun of their poverty. And they have these couple jokes that they would tell. One brother would say, we're so, we were so poor growing up that Daddy used to load us up in the pickup truck, drive us into Colonel Sanders' finger-licking good, 
We didn't have any money to buy dinner, so all we could do is lick other people's fingers. That's poor. <laughs> the other brother would say, we were so poor, a lot of times we'd have nothing to eat for supper. Mom would set us around the table and just read the recipes to us. We had a brother that was so hard of hearing, he nearly starved to death. That's, that's my favorite one. I like that one. Anyway, let's look at Revelation chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 11. Let's read that this morning as we look at it. And uh, Jesus sends this message through a messenger. And we see in Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, if you're following along in the Bibles here, uh, it's on page 1042 if you want to follow along. He says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. Now, I, wanna, I know that we put a lot of emphasis on the word angel. We talk about angels. We, we, we pray, God, send us your angels to protect us. And, and I think in some ways in our Christian tradition, we have taken some of these ideas and made more of them than perhaps the original writers intended for us to make of them. The word angel in this context simply means messenger. It's not a capital A. It's a function. It's a task. It's just like the mailman coming to your house. You give the mailman a letter and you say, send this to the person to whom it's addressed. And that mailman is not anybody necessarily gifted in anything particular, except that he's been given a task to deliver a message. That's what these angels are. These angels are these servants of God who have, yes, they're different than us human beings, and yet they, they are given, but they're just angels. That's what they do. They bring us messages. And so he says, this is the message from the one who is the first and the last, who was dead and is now alive. So, you know, when I get mail, a lot of times I'll look at it, I'll look to see who it's addressed from, but what else do I do? You do the same thing. Who is this from? Well, it's not from the mailman. He's just the deliverer. And I don't look at the mailman and say, Oh, wow, you gave me this. What are you telling me? No, 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 no. The mailman is just the deliverer. What's important is who's sending it. So who is sending this letter? It is from the first and the last. <laughs> you don't get any greater than that. It is from the one who was dead but is now alive. Somebody is giving you a message from the dead. From beyond the dead. They are now alive. This is what the message says. And we can hear Jesus saying this. I know about your suffering. I know about your poverty. But you are rich. Now that should cause all of us to stop. And, and, and I know that the word rich refers to the word poverty. is the opposite. But what Jesus is saying to us, and he, because He puts, I know your suffering, I know your poverty, we could also add, but you are whole. But you are well. Now, that ought to make us stop and say, well, where is my riches? Where are my riches? Where is my health? (laughs) It's in Christ. 
And that has real implications and real practical effect in our lives. And when we get in our our minds that even though I'm going through this experience, Christ is with me in this, therefore I am strong. I am well. I am wealthy. We just sang about this. Pastor Pastor Paul, Pastor Bill did a great job selecting the songs for this morning. They fit right in and help reinforce what we are doing. They, They warmed us up to the message that we're going to hear this morning. I know about your suffering, your poverty, but there's always a but with Jesus. You are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. I know the insults that other people give to you. This word blasphemy, that's another one of these words that I think we in the Christian church have, 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 have made Christianese. Or we've, it's jargon that we have we, we hear the word blasphemy and we wouldn't want, we don't use that in our regular language so we don't really know what it means what this word really means is just to simply speak something negative against somebody else now when we define it simply like that i am guilty of blasphemy far more often than i want to admit And I confess that there are times when I have thoughts in my head about somebody that are not kind thoughts. That's a blasphemous thought. And if I allow that thought to be spoken in words, you idiot, that guy's a fool, he doesn't know what he's doing, how in the world can he have the position that he's got? Those are all blasphemous statements. Are you guilty yet? I'll stop there. That's far enough. And Jesus says, I know the blasphemy of what the people say who oppose you. I know the horrible things they say about you. They say that they are Jews, but they are not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Hear what they're saying in this. He's saying, here's the, here's the shape, here's the form, here's the outward appearance of a synagogue, of a place that worships God, but it belongs to Satan. Let us not be a church that has that description about us. And then he says, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for ten days. I don't know what I don't I don't know what what he means by these specific ten days and in the original language it's very specific it's the number ten and I and I can't say for sure to what John is specifically referring but what I can take from this is that there is a beginning of suffering and there is an end that's the good news your suffering your affliction your poverty will come to an end. Therefore, have hope. The devil will throw some of you in prison. You will suffer for ten days. But, again, there's another but. If you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Look at at my little crown up here. Woohoo! 
This is April and the children are downstairs. I see some of the kids. You guys want a crown? Go down and get April. Give them this April. Well, come see me afterwards. How's that show? How's that show on the screen? I can't see the screen. All I can see is my little monitor back there. And it's too little. So pretty. You're not going to zoom in on me? Come on. i got to give them time. <laughs> Who's zooming in on me? Rich, you going to zoom in on me? Nope. <laughs> I'm not the director. He's not going to do what he's not told. <laughs> he's got a crown of life. Preston or Josh? You want to come and get this? No? Okay. All right. Maybe afterwards. <laughs> I don't want to do anything. He called my name in front of everybody else. I will give you the crown of life. Notice that this is not just a crown. This is not just something that says, uh, in our world today, everybody gets a crown, right? Not just the winner. Your participation prize. But this is the crown of life. And yes, it is available for everyone. For all. For those who remain faithful to Jesus through their suffering. And then the message says, anyone with ears must hear, ears to hear, must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. What is victorious in this context? Who is the victorious one in this context? What does it mean to be victorious in this context? It means to be faithful. The one who is faithful is the one who is victorious and will not be harmed in the second death. So there's some key words in here. We've already talked about suffering and affliction and this poverty. So what does Jesus instruct us to do through these experiences? Well, we've got a couple options. One option is when we face these experiences in our life, we can just quit. We can walk away from God. We can say, that's it. There is no God. If there was a God, He wouldn't allow any of this suffering to happen. That's just not true. Because suffering is part of life. And we can stop and we can say, God, I'm done with you. In fact, every one of us in our lives, because of the sin in our lives, we turn our backs on God. And we say essentially to God, I'm not going to be faithful to you, God, because I don't know who you are. I don't trust who you are. I don't know what you're going to do. I've seen evidence that, that what I think you ought to do, you don't do. So therefore, I'm not going to follow you. Well, when you do that, you have made yourself your own God. You have determined what life is going to be like. You have determined yourself how it's going to be. And you are not listening. You're not opening your ears or your eyes or your mind to hear, to see, and to understand what God has created in this world. And you've already cut yourself off from God. And I also believe, and I think this is also biblical, that God respects your choice to stay away from Him. Somebody brings a gift to you. 
I think I had a good illustration last night for this, but I can't remember what it is right now. I should have written it down. (laughs) It was about Carolyn. It was about Emily. No, I don't think it was. It was... No. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of good that is. Let's, let's watch. No, this is called a dramatic pause for effect. <laughs> what actually... I'm trying, what, what does it say? Well, I'll have to come up with another one, Lord. <laughs> Give me another. I, don't, I remember talk, talking about Emily. I remember talking about... No, no, no. Oh, Chick Carolyn. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Thank you. See how, see how effective stories are for carrying the message. They, they, they stick with you, but not when you're preaching them. They just go right in and out. So Carolyn had, we'd gone to the mall one day. Carolyn had walked in. I, it was probably cold, and so I dropped Carolyn off at the door, and it was by the, by the Chick-fil-A in, in, inside the mall, and I think we were going to get some lunch at Chick-fil-A. And Carolyn walked in. I drove around to park the car. As Carolyn walked in, she noticed a woman standing there asking for help. So Carolyn didn't speak to her. Carolyn just went in and thought, well, I will, I will buy some lunch for her and go bring it out. So Carolyn went in and got some lunch at Chick-fil-A, came back out, handed it to the woman, and said, here, I got some lunch for you. The woman looked at Carolyn and said, I don't want Chick-fil-A. Carolyn honored her choice not to receive the gift that she was offering. And that, that, that woman went on to get something else. I, we don't know exactly what she wanted, but I enjoyed the lunch. <laughs> and was glad, glad to have it. And even more glad that I didn't have to uh, waste my money trying to help that woman uh, who did not want the help. God honors our choice to ignore God. But we better be ready to pay the consequence for that choice. And God will honor that. That's part of the logic of God. It's part of the logic of this world. You can't have a coin without it having two sides. There's always another side to the coin. It's logical. It's rational. It does make sense. God honors our choice to walk away from Him. We could quit and just walk away from Jesus. Or we could compromise. We could live as if some days Jesus is Lord of our life and then other days somebody else is Lord of our life. Money is the Lord of our life. Our work is the Lord of our life. Our family is the Lord of our life. Our, our spouse is the Lord of our life. And those things are not always in conflict. But there's got to be a leader in our, among our priorities. And when we take Jesus out from being the leader of our priorities, we're going to replace Him with something else. And if we're, some days we're trying to live with Jesus as Lord, and some days we're trying to live as if my boss is Lord, those are going to be in conflict, and we will destroy ourselves. We will not have any integrity. And trying to maintain life like that takes far too much energy for anybody to succeed at. You cannot serve, Jesus says, both God and mammon. You cannot serve two masters at the same time. We cannot compromise in who we will serve. So the only option, really, to get that crown of life 
is faithfully following Jesus Christ. And here's what he says as we faithfully follow him. He says, do not be afraid. You are going to suffer. Don't fear it. Do not fear the affliction to come. Instead, be prepared. Be prepared for what you are going to face. (laughs) Stay in school, kids. (laughs) And I say that to all of us adults, too. Don't presume that you have learned everything. We're all growing. We're all learning. Stay in school. And keep growing and keep learning. Came across this news story uh, from December of 2020. I want to show a little video. It's it's a news story that comes comes across. So let's go ahead and roll that. Caswell family lost their home in a fire just a few weeks before Christmas, but they are thankful to have one another. Our Erica Lunsford shows us how a seven-year-old boy saved his baby sister from the flames. Last week, while Nicole Davison and her family were sleeping, and about 11.30, um, someone woke me up, and I know it was God. Their home was on fire. She and her husband, Chris, jumped out of bed to save their family. And he grabbed a fire extinguisher trying to buy me time to get the kids. And I grabbed the boys because they were the closest to the fire. With the blaze spreading quickly, they ran outside. But their 22-month-old daughter was still inside her crib. The scariest moment of my life was when I thought we couldn't get her. That's when Eli, their seven-year-old son, went through the bedroom window to save his sister. Well, Dad bust the window, and then, and then I said, I can't do it about two times, and then, and then I said, and then I said, I got her, Dad, and then, and when we got down there, I said, I said that. I I was scared, but I didn't want my sister to die. A heroic act from a courageous little boy. It's okay to be scared, but you're brave inside, and you can do it when you want to. It's okay to be scared. But don't let your fear keep you from doing what needs to get done. Don't let your fear of what others are going to think about you keep you from doing what Jesus is telling you to do, to remain faithful. Can you imagine? I cannot imagine that experience. But let's, it, 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 it serves as a powerful illustration of what Jesus is saying to this church in Smyrna. Don't be afraid to live the life that I have for you. I imagine that father in that fire, fearful, can you, can you imagine that the, the courage that it takes the father in that, in that experience to break the window and send his seven-year-old son into the burning building? How much does that father desire to save his daughter? That he's willing to sacrifice his son to go into it? Wait a minute. That kind of sounds like what God has done with Jesus to save you. Because you're, you're in a burning building. You're in a world full of suffering. You're in a world that leads to death and destruction. But God loves you. And God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into this world, into this burning fire, in order to walk over to your room. 
And, and, and Eli, just in case you didn't quite understand his Eastern Tennessee accent, because <laughs> my ears aren't tuned to hearing all of that. He said, Dad busted the window, sent me in. Then I said, I can't do it. Have you ever been in a situation where you said, I can't do it? God's telling you to do something. God's saying, we're going to take care of this. And you said, I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't know how it's going to happen. He said, I can't do it like two times. And then you can imagine like a slow motion action. Dad and mom standing outside watching their son. Dad, what, what is dad saying to son in that experience? Is he saying, you're right, son, you're going to die. Absolutely not. He's saying, come on, son, you can do it. I have faith in you. I know it. I see the flames over there, but they're on the other side of the wall. You can get to your sister. Take one more step. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going until finally Eli said, I got her, Dad. Yes. <laughs> And the joy and the enthusiasm and the excitement that comes over both mom and dad because Eli was not willing to allow his fear to keep him from doing what his father was saying could be done. And we think and we hear the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night when he was betrayed, saying to his heavenly father, I can't do this, God. Take this cup away from me. And Jesus and God sends his angels and God ministers to his his son and says, yes, you can. I am with you. And imagine Jesus surprised. When Jesus experiences death. And comes back to life and says to his heavenly father, I got it, dad. I don't have it. I got him, dad. I got her, dad. I got you. 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 What a powerful illustration comes from a seven-year-old boy showing us what Jesus does for us. It's okay to be scared, Eli said. You're brave inside and you can do it when you want to. If you're faithful, Jesus says, I will give you the crown of life. Anyone with ears must hear and listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Now, we're going to leave it for another, uh, another Bible study, another time to talk about what that second death is mean. But we can say this right now. That that is absolute, complete, done. But there's life with Christ. There's abundant life with Christ. James 1.12 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. And afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who loves him? One final story. Back in 2017, I had only been here a couple of months, and a family called the church. The, the a wife, the wife had died, 
and the, the family needed a larger space to have the funeral. So they knew we had a larger church, so they called and asked if we could, if they could have the funeral service for the, the, their family member here. Well, our policy is that uh, we don't do funerals except that we, as one of our pastors, uh, leads it. And so I offered, actually Pastor Paul offered, he, he said, you know, one of our pastors can lead it through you, you're welcome to do it, but one of our pastors will be here to, to lead the family through it. And so the family agreed to that, and there was another pastor that they wanted to come and give the message, and so we were agreeable to that. I was the new guy. So Pastor Paul said, hey Roger, I have an assignment for you, uh, I want you to do this. Pastor Paul knew far greater what I was in for, because uh, I told you some of my story uh, growing up in upstate New York and my experiences uh, with, with churches where there really were, were only uh, white people. And this was, a, this was a black family coming out of the black church. And so there were some cultural things that, that I was not accustomed to. And so Pastor Paul knew that I needed to understand that and get experience with that if I was going to be the pastor of this church. And so I'm very grateful for that experience. But he, you know, you, if, if, you, if you knew Pastor Paul well, you knew that he just threw you into things. And he threw me into this and said, you got it, Roger. I had no idea what I was getting into. It was much more. And uh, the, the husband of the, of the wife, the family had not, had not been here. Here's part of the, 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 well, the whole story is good news. But here's, here's a piece of the good news that, that, that I just want you to be aware of. That uh, the the husband of of that wife was unknown to us. Our church was unknown to them, but the husband of that wife is still with us, the, and and part of our church family today, uh, because we were willing to. That's part of the good news. You know who I'm talking about, uh, Vaughn. But uh, anyway, so we were in this, and and here's the casket right here in the front, uh, down at the steps, and it's it's open during the service. And I was leading the congregation through this, and I invited the other pastor to come and give the message, and she gave a a powerful message of of salvation, and it was a great time of celebration. But then as as one of the last acts in the the funeral was the, the funeral directors, one of the funeral directors had a beautiful singing voice. She came up here and she started singing this gospel song, while the rest of the funeral directors made a procession and started marching slowly down the aisle, carrying a pillow. And on that pillow, they had a tiara. It didn't look anything like this one. <laughs> it, was, it was silver and not a toy like, like this one is. But I thought, what, what are they doing? And during the, 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 there's this very majestic procession uh, with this pillow and this tiara gets right down here in the front of the casket. One of the other funeral directors turns and lifts off that tiara from the pillow and walks over to the casket and gently but very intentionally places the tiara on the head of the wife who was in the casket. I had never seen anything like that. And, and because of my inexperience and in my ignorance, it kind of... Honestly, it rubbed me the wrong way. I thought, ooh, what, 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 what are they doing? You don't do that. And I thought, well, that's kind of odd. Until I started reading this. And I started reading about the, the significance of a crown. And how for ages it has been used. 
and cultures in ancient times had always placed a crown or some some cultures have placed a crown on the head of the deceased person. What? (laughs) Here's Here's a group of people in our world today who understand that what they're doing is part of an ancient practice that has deep meaning to it. What kind of meaning to it? Well, a crown signifies life. A crown signifies that that person is being protected. A crown signifies prosperity. A crown signifies eternal life. A crown signifies being blessed. A crown gives honor to someone. A crown indicates victory. A crown indicates salvation or wholeness. A crown indicates power. A crown indicates significance and importance. A crown indicates joy. It also indicates sorrow. It indicates wisdom. It indicates anointing. Jesus is saying to us, I will give you the crown of life. I want that. I want to keep that. I want to live in that. What kind of suffering, what kind of affliction, what kind of poverty, what kind of difficulty are you facing now? Let Christ place that crown on you here and now. Giving you the hope by your faith in Him, your trust in Him, and live in it. Are you hopeful about God bringing you a crown of life after you've gone through these limited sufferings? What can you do this week to remain faithful while you wait. Maybe you need somebody else to help you along the way. That's why we're here together. Do you have ears to hear so that you can be victorious? If not, can you confess your need for God and come to Christ? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank You for the hopefulness that You give to us, for the peace and the love. Lord, we know that these things are just symbols. They are not the thing themselves, but they are indicators. They point the way. They are signs of Your great love and Your great power. Think of that little boy, Eli, Jesus, who walked through the smoky room. thinking He could not do it. Forgive us, Jesus, for trying to walk through this life without You encouraging us. We need You, Jesus. I need You. And I thank You for the forgiveness that You give to me each day. Lord, forgive me for the times that I blaspheme against others. Forgive me for the times that I decide I can do it on my own and I don't need to do what you tell me to do. I know how to do this. Forgive me for thinking I can compromise how I live my life. Forgive me especially for those times that I wanted to quit. Say there is no God. But you are here. You hear these verses, the beginning verses that say, I know your affliction. And you look at us with great compassion and you say to us, 
I know you're suffering. Stay faithful to me. There's a crown of life coming to you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. As we continue to sing, I invite you to stand. Let's have a time of prayer. I invite you to come to the platform here or come to one of the prayer stations where somebody can pray with you that you may know the peace and the hope that comes through Jesus Christ. Keeper of the day and the command the waters and the wind. There's not one thing you're not greater than. You're greater than the mountain that's in front of me. You are greater, so much
us. You're greater than anything that would try to distract us from our goal, which is that crown of glory that we live for, that you promised us. And so, Lord, help us today to recognize you as the one who carries us through the suffering and the pain, the situations we don't understand. We give ourselves to you, God. And we ask you in the name of Jesus to walk with us through this week. Give us favor. Give us divine appointments to be able to share your love with you.